This meeting is being recorded. What's going on, y'all? It is Brandon McGee, another Sunday, and you are inside the room where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. And last week, I really, really enjoyed all of the young people, uh, some from Trinity College, uh, UConn, uh, and folks, young people from across this country, speaking truth to power, uh, talking about the importance of young people being a part of the political process, uh, and also talking a little bit about identity politics. You know, we, we got into it, you know, Blacks against Blacks or Blacks against Puerto Ricans or Hispanic. I mean, we were really, really talking about it, and I enjoyed the, the uh, transparency and sort of the frankness on, on, on the subject matter when it, came, when it comes to politics, especially a post-Trump uh, environment uh, where, you know, there are just a lot of things that are being said in our own little bubbles, but also on social media and being accountable, quite frankly. So anyway, we're going to bring them back. We're going to have a town hall uh, to talk a little bit more about the importance of a young people being a part of the electoral process and also the importance of getting out to vote. I mean, we have a big election uh, coming up in, in Connecticut in November, and I think across this nation, folks are voting and they're, they're, they're going to the polls. And I'm hoping that you all don't fall asleep on November 8th. We need you all to vote. But on today, on today, many of you have already taken the little ones back to school. You sent some of your older one, older children or young adults, I would say, to college. Uh, my two will be starting this Tuesday. I have a three and a five-year-old. I'm really, really excited about this. One less bill, maybe more bills to come. But right now I have a break uh, with, from daycare. Uh, but I am excited that on this Sunday, uh, well, first of all, before I jump into my guests, um, I always talk about you little heathens that don't go to church on Sunday. Y'all tend to do brunching, but it's okay. I love heathens too. We love you all inside the room. Uh, but I had a chance to, to go to my church service uh, eight o'clock this morning uh, and I'm out and I made it just in time to be on with you all. So that said, I am so honored uh, to be in the same space what, with two men that I look up to uh, in their own right, they are men of power, influence, and doing some amazing things right here in the state of Connecticut. Um, I know we have, um, I don't, I, I don't want to call you doctor yet because you're in the process, but you are working on it. We got Jesse White, uh, and we also have Dr. Duncan uh, Harris, who's here. And I'm not going to steal their thunder, but I want them uh, to introduce themselves. Uh, but before they do, I think it's also important that you all know these are great men of Alpha, uh, and y'all know this station is home to Alpha Phi Alpha. Uh, all of my all of my D nine, they'll be upset, and I'll be getting all the the hate mail. But it's all good. We love everybody. But that said, um, Jesse, Jesse, talk to me a little bit about who you are and what brings you to the space that you're in now. So first of all, Brandon, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me to be on your platform. Um, I truly don't take it lightly uh, when anyone asks me to come, you know, to their space. And so I appreciate it. And of course, pay homage to the great uh, Dr. Duncan Harris, Dr. Big Brother Duncan Harris. Man, I remember he great oh, here. <laughs> <laughs> I truly appreciate you. Um, my name is Jesse White. I was born and raised in the city of Hartford. Um, I attend First Church of the Living God, which is on Whitney Street in Hartford. Um, and as you can see, I'm, I'm dressed for church as well. Um, <laughs> I am the principal, proud principal of Bloomfield High School uh, in, in Bloomfield, Connecticut, um, of which Dr. Harris is actually a graduate. Um, mm -hmm. And I also attended Sacred Heart University, graduated from there with a degree in biology, then uh, got a master's degree at Albertus Magnus College in leadership, uh, then went on to Central Connecticut State University to get uh, a degree in educational leadership. And I'm currently um, at the University of Bridgeport um, working towards my doctorate. Uh, my wife and I own a company called Kingdom Culture LLC. Um, and I'm an author uh, of a book called A is for a Firm and have a few other things. We have an app, we have card, whatever, whatever you want. That's what we do, sort of like a serial entrepreneur. Um, but most importantly, I believe that I was, I was called and I was uh, born 
um, to educate young people and make an impact in that space. So uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse, for being here. Uh, Dr. Harris, talk to us a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, well I'm, I'm glad and, and honored to be here uh, today. Um, Brandon and I have known each other for, for quite some time, and I've been uh, following his career. And I'm so glad that he's using this platform to uh, uh, introduce some some ideas to uplift uh, all people and our people in particular. And so so very I'm thankful for you for uh, giving uh, me the opportunity to spend some time with with your uh, listeners, uh, viewers uh, today. Uh, Duncan Harris, I, I'm uh, born in in, uh, in Connecticut. I'm a Connecticut native. Uh, grew up, as Jesse said, I grew up in a, a town called uh, Bloomfield, which was at one point an all-American town. I suggest that it still is. And so uh, grew up there, a proud Bloomfield Warhawk, went on to the University of Connecticut, uh, majoring in economics. Um, coming out of college, and I don't know if this, uh, this is, appeals to, to folks, but um, I thought that I wanted to go into business. I actually did uh, go into business and work for Merrill Lynch, uh, doing some work in their financial services industry. But um, I didn't really have a, a fire in the belly for that work. And, and interestingly, uh, Merrill Lynch had a program where we were allowed to do mentoring of young people. And uh, I just found that when I was doing that work, it, it meant so much to me. And the idea of, of spending my life uh, making others money didn't appeal to me as much as a career as an educator and, and mentor, uh, a developer of youth. And so, so I, I segued out of the financial services industry, um, went back to school, got my master's degree in uh, counseling and in higher education, then later a, a doctorate in higher education administration. Um, I, the, the working in community colleges is, is the family business. My father was actually a, a president of a community college, Essex County Community College in Newark, uh, New Jersey, and then uh, uh, other schools in, uh, after that in administration. So, so it's interesting, I kind of came back, but I grew up in a household where education was a value. Um, you know, my, my older brothers, we all have, you know, degrees and gone on to school. You know, that's a value from within my children, my oldest daughter, Jocelyn, shout out to Jocelyn, a, a proud graduate of, of Howard University. Uh, and, and my bison in the house. You got a bison, yeah. And uh, of course, my, my children right now. My oldest son Grant uh, is is reviewing, uh, looking at schools, and then my daughter Grayson also. So I, I, you know, as as we're talking today, I think that um, education is 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 the great equalizer and liberator, um, you know, for our people, and and it's a, a a value, you know, and certainly in the Harris family. So so I'm glad to be here to share some thoughts on that. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Jesse. And if you don't mind. Duncan. Um, yeah, no, yeah. But, but, but listen, you all Be work nice. very, yeah, <laughs> you all work nice. very hard, uh, very hard for uh, the title um, and you put some time in. So uh, again, thank you. Thank you brothers for, for joining me on today. And I just, I, I want to jump right in, right? I have two very successful uh, black men uh, right here. And if you're just tuning in on the official FUBU radio, uh, we have Jesse White, uh, and Duncan Harris, both who are which um, uh, are great men of alpha, but also men who lead um, in their own capacity at a high school. You're at a middle school, right, Jesse? Um, no, I'm, I'm at a high school. Oh, you're at the high school. Okay. Bloomfield high school. Bloomfield High, moving on up, moving on. Up. <laughs> Bloomfield High School, and, and, we, and, and Dr. Harris, who is uh, president of Capital Community College, a state college here in the state of Connecticut. Uh, so uh, you all are in for a treat. And Duncan, you mentioned something, you said something that was really interesting. And I did not know that your father uh, also mm -hmm. served uh, in education and led a school system um, yeah. at higher ed. Talk to me a little bit about like the importance of, of people of color, being black in education. Mm -hmm. Uh, and helping us to understand that evidence demonstrates Black leaders, right? And Black mm -hmm. leaders can strengthen achievement and culture if they get a chance. Yeah. Who gave you that chance? Who, who, who really, beyond your father, right? Your father clearly no, yeah. is an influencer, but like, how do we, how do we, how, do, how can we get more Black folk in the system? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, um, and, and I, what I didn't share, I've been in, worked in community colleges for 26 years, right? So I started uh, working in community colleges at 26, I'm 52 now. So, so pretty much, you know, uh, most of my uh, uh, professional career 
has been serving in community colleges. I love them, you know, it, it, and, and I love the, the unique mission. They're uniquely American. We've actually had uh, folks from all the countries come to study our community college system. Uh, Connecticut Community College's system, by the way, was recently ranked number one by Wallet Hub, and so um, you know, very proud of the work that we do across our 12 campuses. And so, so, um, um, but I worked at at Manchester Community College for 22 years, so I I really learned the business there, and uh, I had been um, you know preparing myself for a presidency, so I had checked all the boxes as it relates to what's required to to be a president. And uh, four years ago, um, when um, the, the president of Capital Community College was retiring, um, you know, that was my dream school. Um, you know, it, it, uh, Capital is 36% is Black in terms of the population, 32% uh, Hispanic, you know, so it's a majority minority in quotes, you know, institution. Um, I know what it means when um, um, young students or students that look like me see me, see Dr. Harris in the elevator and I asked them how they're doing in, in their academics and encourage them, you know, to, to thrive and, and be scholarly and, and excel. And so, so I, I think that, um, you know, the, the idea of congruence between passion and, and service um, led me to, to, to lead uh, capital. And, uh, you know, uh, Brandon, you're a servant also in our city, you know, I, I consider our institution um, part of the mission to disrupt cycles of poverty that disproportionately impact families in Hartford. Hartford, as your, some of your viewers may not be aware, depending on the economic indice, may be the fourth or fifth poorest uh, city uh, in the nation. And so, um, but what I do know is that uh, based off of, you know, my leadership and working arm in arm with my faculty and staff, if I can get some of these uh, students or families to complete a nursing degree or my cybersecurity degree or come in to complete one of our short-term training, what that does for those families in Hartford uh, in terms of disrupting cycles of poverty and, and um, allowing them to, to um, gain entry to the middle class and beyond. So, so, you know, so as we talk about, um, you know, black leaders of primarily black and brown institutions, you know, I think that, that the, the work resonates in a very different way. Um, I know my, my grandfather was, was a sharecropper from Opelika, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And um, his son later, uh, my father, George, got a PhD from Michigan State. His grandson now has a, a doctorate and lead. Um, and so, so you could see, I guess, what, what education can do for, for, for uh, uh, people of color. Um, and when it's done right and well, um, I, I can't think of no uh, better way to systemically uh, eradicate, um, you know, um, conditions that ultimately lead to, to poverty uh, and, and lives that aren't um, fulfilled with, um, you know, income to support oneself and their families. And so, uh, you know, so just, you know, that, that we'll talk more about that. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely amazing. And I have a, a real, like, follow up question. To, to that, but I, I'd love to hear Jesse from from your perspective when you talk about the the the, the PK through twelve um, uh, system there, and you're at the top of that, right? Um, when you begin thinking about high school students and what what's it been like for you being black in the education space, right? Like what similar yeah. same question? What, so so I'll I'll back up a little bit from from where I sit now to just my, my education uh, in pre-K through 12, right? I've never had um, an African-American teacher ever. Wow. Um, you know, and that's pre-K 12, uh, college, uh, I've never had one. As a matter of fact, the only teacher of color uh, that I've ever had was from Panama and she was my 11th grade uh, Spanish teacher. Um, and it's still at the school to this day. Shout out to Ms. Barrett uh, at Northwest mm -hmm. Catholic. 51 years in education. Uh, and she still looks like she, she's going strong. Um, but, but I never got to see that, right? And so I believe that a lot of what, you know, even Dr. Harris was talking about um, has to do with um, what we see and, and what, what our mind is trained to be, right? Uh, when we were younger, myself included, you know, I wanted to be um, a basketball player, right? Or a football player, because that was what I saw with regard to folks who were influential, 
folks who are powerful, folks who are popular, uh, and folks who are paid, right, were uh, either athletes or, or entertainers of, of some, some kind. Um, and that's what I, I initially wanted to do as a child, right? It's like every young man's uh, dream is to make it to the NBA because that's what we see. And that's what gets ingrained in our mind. And so, you know, moving to the, the, the place where I am now, I get the opportunity to influence young men in a different way, right? And young ladies in a different way in such that they see uh, that the person who is sort of like the gatekeeper or uh, the one who opens the door uh, for education looks just like them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's extremely powerful. Uh, okay. One of the, the issues I think that we have is that um, those who are the purveyors of education um, don't necessarily look like like us, right? And so you 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 see or you imitate what you see. You know, your environment plays a huge role, uh, which is why you know it's no coincidence that you know when Dr. Harris talks about you know his father and then yeah. him and how education is very very strong in his family is because of the fact that um, you know education is 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 there and they see the value in it. And so the, the subsequent generations say, hey, you know what? This is just the, the way that we operate. This is what we do. In my case, um, we have sort of like a mixed bag, right? Because my grandfather and grandmother never went to college. As a matter of fact, uh, my grandmother was, was a bishop, Bishop Ward. From what I understand, she, she uh, had a ninth grade education and my grandfather had something like a sixth grade education. But at that time, you could work very, very hard and move ahead just off the sweat of your back and working, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my grandfather, who's my mother's uh, father, um, was very, very much into his children. He had six children, all getting an education. And so, you know, even as a mm-hmm. uh, young man, when I would visit in Philadelphia and I would go to his room because his room was here, my grandmother's room was there, right? I would go into his room and he would have this real high bed, but his room was lined with books. Books, mm-hmm. And so he valued education, but grew up at a time where education was not necessarily afforded mm-hmm. to him in the way that it is for us. And so he you know, went to work, worked at Campbell's Soup for, for uh, over 20 years, did very, very well, took care of his family, bought my grandmother a Benz and the whole nine <laughs> with that, without that education, right? Um, and then my mom, my mom went to an Ivy League school, but my father didn't graduate college. Um, he, you know, grew up at a time and, and talk about like how, and this is a totally different bag. I know this is Sunday, but um, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Mm. So why go to college, right? Why worry about the future? Because Jesus is coming back, right? And so, you know, he went to the military, um, got a great job working for the post office, put my brother and I through through college. And harps on the fact that education is like Dr. Uh, Harris said, the great equalizer. But I saw my dad's hard work and I saw my mom's education and hard work. um, And that was sort of like what prompted my brother and I to make sure um, that we got our education, that it was based on what we saw in the home, um, not necessarily what we saw in the classroom, right? Um, Because we didn't have it in the classroom. But, But I think that it starts at home um, and then, you know, what's in, what's in the schools is, is very important and your environment is very important. Um, but I think that it's, it's more so than skin color. It's more so like the love for um, your children, love and passion for what you do. Um, but it does start at home for sure. Well, I, you know, I, I, as I'm listening to both of you, I, I had to pinch myself and remind myself that I'm talking to scholarly men uh, and you both are <laughs> lecturers, uh, naturally. Um, and so, so I want to spice it up a little bit. We're going to take a break in about a minute or two, but uh, I, I can't help it but to think about our system. And mm-hmm. as, a, as a former legislator, a former policymaker, who served on the education committee for many years, also on appropriations committee, the money committee that funds education. I am still confused by the system and wondering where is the system actually going wrong when it when it comes to the recruitment of black people to teach, to be in high um, sort of uh, leadership positions, administrative positions, not administrative, administrators uh, position. Like what, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? 
I mean, y'all talked about the family. You talk about the importance of, you know, uh, 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 working hard and all of that good stuff. But if we're not given an opportunity, a chance, like where where's the system going wrong? I, I, I'll say this, and it's, these are not my words. It's actually another great alpha man uh, who is down at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, gentleman by the name of Freeman Rabowski. Hmm. And we had a conversation, had to be maybe a decade ago, about this same question. And what he said was, Jesse, they can't pass the, he That's used just how he word. <laughs> yeah, can't pass the test, right? And so we know that there are tests, right? Yeah. That that one has to take in order to uh, to matriculate through, you know, to educate your, ed, your educational path, right? Yeah. And so I think that one thing that we can do if we are, if we are trying to go down that route is prepare, um, you know, everyone for for the assessment right um because i don't want anyone to teach me who does not perform well on the test and so you know you got to make sure that you prepare uh you know our people for the test that's number one number two it has to be attractive right i can get my mba and i can make you know 80 90,000 right out of college or um, I can say I'm going to get back to my community, right? Which, which I think is a calling, and I might not necessarily make that much. So, you know, these these are all factors that that do well, impact this. So, system. so Dr. Harris, I want to hear you before we go on the break, real quick. Yeah, well, just just uh, tethering my thoughts to what Jesse was referring. So, so me on the other end, as somebody who's preparing oncoming teachers, right? Mm -hmm. So, so at Jesse hands them off to me, and you know, they're if I've got somebody who has the the aptitude, which is what something that, that to to and uh, a skill set in biology or English or, or mathematics, you know, there's there's a, a push pull and a, a, some tension between do I encourage them to, to become an actuary, you know, for an insurance company making you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus a year. Once again, um, disrupting that, that cycle of poverty and, and what that means for them and their family and amassing you know, generational wealth that we've been kept out of. Or do I encourage that that math person who excels in math to become a teacher and who who will not be compensated in a similar way and, 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 and things like that or that pre-med student. So if I've got a, a, a black uh, young brother or sister who um, is, is a, a superstar in, in biology. You know, do I prepare them to to go to med school, or do I suggest that you know once? And I'm not saying it's just about money, right? So I'm not distilling it down to that. But as it relates to um, you know the opportunity and their their futures and 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 the financial stability um, that that comes with certain types of careers, and there's only so many of us. You know, where do we steer our 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 um, talented and, and and scholarly students? You know to mm. what career so so i think that there's there, there's kind of some of that that tension here once again as it relates to, to what jesse said about how we compensate our teachers and, and how we incent that and how we talk about that noble profession um but once again you know um if if somebody could be an actuary or they could teach you know third grade math you know what do we do yeah i we we could probably spend about an hour just talking on this subject. I mean, sure. we, we can talk about all of the overwhelmingly uh, uh, representation of, of white men who serve yeah. in the highest position within the system in terms of like the school system, school districts, superintendents, sure. um, it, it, leadership in this field uh, from my perspective, and I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but it's just grim sometimes. Mm. Um, and, and I'm wondering, you know, policy-wise yep. and financially, resource-wise, is there a way to incentivize um, these, these type of opportunities that you all are literally tilling the ground and trying to, sure. to work, you know, from, from community on up, which that's what we've been designed to do. Uh, but I, I'm just wondering, like, what is it in this system that is causing such a decline, if not a decline, a slow sort of growth um, in this particular field? But I hear you both, you know, yeah. it starts at home. It starts with 
a commitment to want to even learn. Uh, and, and additionally, it is, it shouldn't be limited to. So, you know, from your perspective, at least what I'm hearing, Dr. Harris is, I have the opportunity to, to prepare these young people for, 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 for different vocations. Sure. Uh, and it may not just be uh, in, in the classroom. So yeah. um, if you all are just tuning in, we're having a conversation on education. Uh, and I started out, you know, asking the Brandon McGee question, come on, Black people, why are you in this space? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I am glad that each and every one of you took the time out to join us this morning. Uh, please invite uh, your family member, share the link. Come on, be a part of the movement. Uh, lock on in to the official FUBU radio. Uh, and you already know what time it is. You're inside the room. All right, so y'all keep it locked and don't go nowhere. This meeting is being recorded. What's going on, y'all? You are back inside the room with Brandon McGee, where, of course, we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. And if you missed our first segment, uh, you missed a, a great discussion, but you're here now, but you missed a great discussion um, on Blacks and, and, and education. Uh, and I'm here uh, with Jesse White, Principal Jesse White, and Dr. Harris, um, president of the Capital Community College, and Jesse, principal of Bloomfield High School. And we were just talking about, you know, the importance of education clearly and, and the impacts and the effects of their family and their commitment to, to their overall success. But I posed a question, like, what's really good in the education system and the system at large uh, that continues to pe uh, perpetuate this sort of low, um, maybe not low, but sort of this lack of recruitment of teachers of color um, in our system. And uh, this is a very layered, uh, very complex question, right? And we can come from it uh, and end at different, different places. Uh, but I asked a very general question, uh, and I'm sure that there are educators and, and, and researchers out there who could probably give some more hardcore data, because uh, you all live in, in numbers world and, and data that help inform um, every move. But I, I want to shift a little bit. I want to shift. With school uh, starting or have started for uh, uh, some of um, our children um, I know in the college system, many of our school uh, uh, college students have gone back um, pre-K through 12. Some of them have started last week. I know my kids are starting this week. Um, but I, I just, I want to hear from, from both of you, what has the pandemic taught you? Um, has it given you um, sort of a sense of hope in a, in a really weird and awkward kind of way. Um, how were you able to weather two years of just trying to figure it out? Um, and also the effects of it, you know, anybody just jump in. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first, uh, this time. And so, uh, so I remember distinctly, you know, sending out an email to my, uh, college faculty, staff and students, March 12, 2020. That, and you that thought you were coming back in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, we thought we were coming back. We were going into spring break. Um, and who knew, you know, that, that, that over two years later, we would still be um, kind of dealing with the, uh, the, the pandemic and the aftermath. Um, it was probably the most challenging time of my leadership career. You know, I've been an mm. administrator for, for over, um, you know, senior level administrator for over 15 years now. And I, I'd have to say this was two of the most trying years, you know, just, just in terms of the stress and and um, being responsible literally for lives, um, you know, on, on campus. And so, um, and so it was, um, you know, tough year, but I, I'll, I often at this point, I'm at a point of reflection on, on the, the, the period. And I uh, have begun to identify some, some COVID, what I refer to as gifts, and when, whether that those were things, lessons learned or actual kind of, um, you know, technology that we've deployed a different way of, of, um, you know, achieving student outcomes. And so a couple of those that come to mind, um, I know that you were, had asked us uh, uh, in terms of preparing for this about mental health. And uh, during the, the, uh, the COVID, we actually deployed, um, you know, telehealth services for our students. And uh, one of the things I know is that as a black male, my, myself, oftentimes we've been conditioned to not uh, seek help 
and certainly not mental health services in, in the scrutiny and scarlet letter that comes with that. Um, at my institution, Capital, there are 12 community colleges. We had some of the high, highest utilization rates of the telehealth services. Wow. And we, you know, we, we marketed it, we encouraged it. We had high rates of males uh, using it and, and the idea of them being able to talk to somebody on their cell phone um, and not, you know, when, when they're feeling some kind of way or stress about life or school. And so, so that's something that we're going to continue doing, you know, now that we're, we're coming out of the, the, the pandemic. And so this idea of um, reducing some of the, the this disdain for accessing mental health services. Uh, and once again, we're, we're a, a college that's 70% black and brown. So, if so I, if I may, if yeah. I may, Dr. Harris, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed throughout the over the two years of, of at the height of the pandemic, you really maximize um, uh, every bit of social media. I mean, mm. I've watched you right. literally try to you, you figured this thing out. And <laughs> I, I, I think you have modeled for many of our presidents throughout the state of Connecticut, and I would even say throughout the country, the importance of your own personal space on social media yeah. and leveraging that uh, to connect with your students, to normalize mental yeah. health and the importance of the the, the, the services you all provide. Uh, so I, I commend you. I commend you on that because um, I don't think your social media game was that tight early on, but you're doing good. You do. Well, you saw that, that LinkedIn that had the fifteen thousand views. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the red socks on but 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 there was a, a another one there there's a few things we launched once again so we we stood up manufacturing so one of the things that mm -hmm. that uh impacted our city uh was uh you know that that's heavily reliant on retail and, and tourism services uh, we were able to use covid funding to launch a manufacturing program and wow. so so we were able to stand up a, a, a manufacturing program this last year um, we, we funded, um, you know, the, the, the uh, staffing and equipment and things like that using COVID funds. Wow. And uh, we've, we we're on our fourth uh, cohort of students that have come through that program since, since uh, the summer of 2021. And those folks get good jobs right away. We have a partnership with Whitcraft, which is one of the world's largest uh, aerospace uh, manufacturers. And, um, and so we, we were able to stand that up. The other thing, um, that we realized was um, with online education, um, you know, and we were we were worried. We thought that uh, our students that were already suffering from gaps in equity and, and opportunity gaps, they would would be placed even further back, being relegated to to fully online um, courses. But what we found was that that for my students, the average age of my students is 28. So you can imagine that at 28, I might have a family. I'm certainly working. Right. And I have other obligations. And so actually the, the online education um, um, really worked for, for, for many of my students mm. and that now they could be home. Uh, they didn't have to incur additional costs for reliable child care. Yep. They didn't need to take two buses to, to get to my school and, and the amount of time uh, away from home and from family or that takes. So the, the online education um, really worked for my students and, and, Coupled with that was um, the resources that we channeled to faculty for them to develop the uh, instructional uh, ability to deliver quality uh, online education. So let me so, let me bring let me bring Jesse in. Jesse, yeah. what what were some of the things from your perspective leading high school students and their families through through throughout a pandemic? I can only imagine right. a lot of them might be similar, you know, in nature, but what, what, what's going on Definitely. with you? What, so, what so, the first of all, I want to say, I also noticed Duncan Harris. Um, <laughs> follow Bloomfield High School on Twitter at, at Bloomfield underscore. There Dunn. you go. About there you go. About to blow it up. Um, Get your numbers up. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And so um, I can, I also remember sitting in my office with, uh, who was then my, my uh, numeracy, director of numeracy and science. And um, he, has a brother-in-law who works for Google and said, Jesse, we're going to be out of school. And I looked at him and said, there's absolutely no way they're going to shut down the school for more than a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we see what happened during that time. Um, the, the most difficult part of the entire uh, pandemic for us 
was ensuring that students were fully engaged online. So, you know, we got the money for, you know, computers and whatnot, um, made sure that our district became, so you talk about the COVID gifts. At this point, we're a one-to-one -one school. So every student has their own uh, Chromebook or device, right? Um, but being online, meaning being logged in and being engaged it are two different things. <laughs> and when you're not engaged, it's very, very difficult to learn and pick up material. And so, um, you know, we see even as adults, you know, if you have a Zoom meeting, I can, you know, turn my, my uh, screen off and I can do something else while I'm still sort of kind of listening. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't really learn like that, number one. Number two, education is a social phenomenon. You know, we learn not only from our teachers, but we learn from one another. And so when folks were sort of like isolated, um, it definitely, uh, I would say, diminished uh, the engagement of students. However, you, you talk about, we look at data, um, our graduation rate um, stayed the same. Uh, we're still above 90%. As a matter of fact, I think at this point, we're at 91.5% um, pre and post uh, pandemic. Um, our, our science scores uh, on the NGSS in 11th grade is an assessment that's taken 11th grade. Those stayed the same. Um, the, the, the main uh, issue that we're having now post pandemic, uh, and that was last year, um, has been attendance. Because you can think about the fact that we've had students who we've said it's okay to stay home and learn, right? And so now it's like, all right, so now I got to shift back to the mode of being at school every single day. Um, not only that, but folks are still getting COVID, right? And so, you know, quarantining and things of that nature, um, no matter what the reason is, uh, those students are not in school. So we've seen an increase there um, and our, our major push uh, this year is going to be um, to really re-engage those students and um, make sure that those students are sitting in front of teachers um, and collaborating with their peers in class. So, so I, I know, I know we want, we want to share rosy reports and, and that's, and that's good, but I also know that it's hard to know exactly how many, when you begin to talk about some of the challenges that come with the pandemic it's hard to know exactly how many U.S. Uh, classrooms are short of, of teachers for the 2022-23 school year. Um, I read an article um, in the Washington Post about two days ago, and it really kind of unpacked uh, this challenge that many school districts are faced with. Um, I also found that there's really no national database that uh, precisely tracks the issue of teacher shortages. Uh, but we know anecdotally that state and district level type reports, if you would, um, really show and highlight that there is a shortage, staffing gaps um, that might stretch from hundreds to thousands, uh, if you, depending on the school district. Are you, both of you, given your space where you are, collegiate and, and, and K through 12, are you experienced some of, some of those challenges? Mm -hmm. um, I read an article in the Hartford Current about Hartford Public School experiencing some challenges. Mm -hmm. And a special shout out to the superintendent there. She's like, look, we're tapping into retirees. We're tapping into uh, uh, substitute teachers, uh, paraprofessionals, et cetera. Um, I believe she even established some sort of a pipeline with educators from um, Puerto Rico uh, to come into to, to Connecticut. What what are you all experiencing when it comes to, you know, staff shortages? I, I'll start. I, I, we're, I think we're all feeling it. We're all feeling the same thing. Um, there are a lot of teachers who have left the profession uh, just based on, you know, fear, uh, you know, of, of the fear of what getting COVID pandemic. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and getting COVID and being with with students who are going and doing, you know, different things and whatnot. Um, and and let me preface with this. Teaching is not easy. Mm -mm. It's not easy. You know, it takes a lot of preparation. Um, it takes and a patience. lot of passion, patience. Absolutely. Um, and so, um, you know, if, if I'm in if I have an opportunity to retire. Right. And, and sort of enjoy the rest of my life being, you know, paid based on my pension and all of that, um, or I can work when I feel like it or, you know, whatever, but I know that my, you know, well-being is going to be taken care of. 
um, I got to sort of weigh, right? Because tomorrow's not promised. And I think that was one of the lessons that we found out during this pandemic was, you know, we all think we're going to work until, you know, whatever age we get to. And then we're going to live for another 30 years, just enjoying all the fruits of our labor. But folks, that, that wasn't happening. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are like, hey, you know what? Not just in education, but just period. Like, let me retire and enjoy, you know, the fruits of my labor right now. Um, and education is no, it's not, uh, you know, immune to that. And so, you know, we had a lot of folks who did, who did retire um, and, a, and a lot of folks who left the profession um, during that time. And so we're experiencing that right now. Are you doing anything different in terms of, you know, meeting the needs of, of the staff shortage, supporting those teachers who are like, I'm committed, but I am mentally like drained. Um, anything special, Absolutely. Duncan? What, what, yeah, what well, you- well, yeah, well, well, on the, that first part, it's a little different dynamic in higher ed. Um, yeah. You're in Connecticut, so you know we had the, there was a, an incentive for folks to retire. Mm-hmm. Also, that, that on top of this, I think some folks uh, during the pandemic, uh, you know, as Jesse alluded to, you know, got used to having time and being at home and being with loved ones, and and they made some decisions to 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 retire. Uh, in my line of work, oftentimes that that's been great. I know that in in, in one uh, where we have tenure, folks tend to stay for quite some time, um, and and folks that are up and coming. It's it's rare and in, in, uh, it's a rare occasion that we have a full time tenure track uh, opportunity, and so I utilize that to when I do to to uh, hopefully diversify my faculty, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I recently hired a brilliant um, black um, um, PhD in chemistry, you know, who had been a longtime adjunct from Hartford of, of Jamaican descent, uh, but was just waiting for his shot. And I really don't know that he would have gotten a shot had it not been, you know, as a result of somebody uh, who had been uh, a long-term um, faculty member deciding that it was time to retire. So, so once again, kind of some lemons to lemonade um, in higher ed, you know, in a tenure system where people don't leave, and it, and it's few and far in between. You know, I've saw uh, I've seen this as an opportunity to diversify and seek out diverse candidates for the openings that I do have. Um, so that's one thing, but very aware of, of, of um, support with, with mental health for my faculty and staff. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're aware that there's still some anxiety about coming back, you know, and so we're, we're preparing for that, uh, you know, classes start on Monday. And so, um, you know, so we are in, uh, mindful of, of the impact of the last two years, not just on our students, but on the uh, culture of the institution and then our faculty and staff. And so we're we're very, very intentional about um, um, bringing people back into the community and back into, you know, the, the college setting. So, you know, COVID is over. COVID is over. COVID is over, right? And it, it really isn't. But I want to, I want to drive home. <laughs> yeah. um, it feels like it's a knee-jerk reaction. Everybody, get back to school. All is well. Get back in the classroom. But meanwhile, on the other hand. You talk about, did you say COVID gift? Is that how yeah. you, you framed it? So the gift, right, the gift in my mind is, wow, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a 28-year-old. I'm back in higher ed. I'm going to school. But this, this online thing actually helped out. I saved $500 a month in child care. I was able to be with my child and get a higher education and work a job like why are we in such a hurry to get back to school in person? Have you experienced that, Duncan, from, from some yeah. of your faculty and, and, and your students? I think, I think that we, we, we didn't do knee, knee jerk. So we didn't go back to our fall 2019 schedule. Got it. So what we did was we looked at, um, you know, uh, classes where um, the performance was, was fine. There are some certain classes that might be, more hands-on or kinesthetic, and you need to be in a bio lab, you know, in order to, to learn, you know, kind of the, the processes and, and scientific uh, way of, of conducting experiments. So there are certain disciplines that necessitate really, you know, that that in-person. But some of the other ones we, we left, um, you know, fully online, you know, wow. to exactly. And, and what I think uh, for many of my students, the, the sweet spot might be two online and two on ground. 
you know, yeah. and I'm able to, to, to once again, work more. I might be able to, you know, I'm saving on gas, you know, I'm, I'm spending more time with, with my children at home. So, so we're different. We're different, different organizations. We're, we're actually, in my opinion, very uh, much stronger, mm. much stronger institution and, and we're more uh, knowledgeable about our students and, and how we can get them to the desired learning outcomes uh, than we were two years ago. And so, um, so we, we're, 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 um, I think once again, those, the, the, the COVID gifts and, and yeah. the muscle that we built over the and last being two nimble years. and being nimble, yeah. right? So, yeah. so Jesse is slightly different for you, right? Your kids, um, you would want them in, in school. Many of our parents are, are working or at least, uh, seeking higher education opportunities, et cetera. But have you adjusted to accommodate sort of how we, we are now reimagining this 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 post COVID education space in the classroom and you know online et cetera. Like what what are you all doing? Is it back to business as as, as usual? Yeah, so I, I think it's a it's a blend, right? And and as uh, Dr. Harris said, you know we're much stronger in that uh, at this point, you know, like I said, all of our students have their one to one devices, so that um, we have teachers who have their virtual online classrooms. Uh, our Google Classrooms, where all of the information, all of the assessments, all of the lessons and whatnot are there. And it's interesting because there was a, a model of education a while ago that gained some traction in some, some sectors called the flipped classroom, mm -hmm. where a teacher could you know, do their video, do all of that work and preempt the class. Students would have to watch it. And then when they got into the class, then the teacher would either review or strengthen whatever misconceptions there were. Um, we're sort of like living in that blended model, right? Where um, we, we for years have fought, you know, online stuff, fought Google, fought, you know, all that. But in reality, our kids have all of the information they need. On that right mobile here. device, that's right. Right? Yeah. And so instead of fighting it, um, we are working alongside it um, while guiding students. And then in addition to that, like I said earlier, education is a social phenomenon. So we had to come back. Um, and, and, you know, even to your question about how we are in treating our teachers, um, I think the studies are like, if, if you have one horse who is pulling a wagon, it might be able to pull a uh, thousand uh, pounds, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have two, it doesn't go to 2000 pounds, it's 10,000 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. And so you really multiply those efforts when you work together. And mm -hmm. so our, our theme for this year, coming back, understanding all the stressors, mm -hmm and everything of being back next, uh, last year, um, our theme is unity. Hmm. Meaning everybody is gonna get a piece of this work. Everybody's going to be able to uh, work together in order to strengthen the whole. Um, and so just that messaging, that, that mindset, I love the idea um, of a COVID gift, right? Um, for, for those of us who are of faith, we believe um, that all things work together for the good of those who love who, got, who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. So even though this was a definitely a dark time, not only in our country, in our school systems, and in our world, um, as a leader, right, you have to um, shift the messaging, shift the idea um, and the mindset to understand that, you know what, there's some great things that come out of this. Our mm -hmm. frat brother, uh, you know, Dr. Frederick Douglass, right? Without no struggle, there's no prog progress, right? Mm -hmm. And so we had to go through this struggle, um, but we're definitely coming out of this much stronger than we went into yeah. it. Well said, well said. Well, again, if you're just joining in, uh, you're joining uh, a great conversation on education, uh, the effects of COVID and and really better understanding how, how great of a position we are in or greater position we're in post uh, pandemic. Uh, uh, so what I'd like to do is uh, we're going to go on break. And when we come back, I want to twist up a little bit. And I want to ask these gentlemen who are just very serious about what they do. I want to talk a little bit about really quickly, what do they do in their spare time? Uh, and then we're going to have a rapid round of questions. They don't know what the questions are. So this is going to be fun. So again, y'all keep it locked right here on the official FUBU radio. Uh, and hey, you don't know what you'll get on the other side. Keep it locked. This meeting is being recorded. What's going on, y'all? Again, we're back inside the room. And man, Duncan, Jesse, thank you so much for spending your Sunday 
uh, with myself and, and everybody who listens every single Sunday. Uh, we have listeners as far as Vermont, uh, West, Chicago, and as far as Montgomery, Alabama. I don't know about Opelika yet, but Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, and it's interesting, your folks are from Opelika. Uh, Miss Alabama State University, Lydia Mitchell, um, my former roommate and and close friend and also a delta uh delta <laughs> sigma theta she was miss alabama state university um and your she, roommate was miss alabama state university yes sir yes sir interesting um so so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna continue on and so it was it was it was really interesting you would say opalaka but anyway so listen yep. We've talked about Blacks in education. We've talked about all the great work that you all are doing. Um, but but I got I got one, one question, one question, um, and then I'll have a rapid round of four questions, uh, and you don't have time to think about it. You all are, you're thinkers, but I just, just, just answer the question, right? All right, so, but the first question that I really do want you to respond and, and, and take just a, just a minute uh, to respond to is, you know, you work hard every day, whether you're in school trying to, mm. you know, equip yourself to be better leaders and educators, et cetera. What do you do in your spare time to unpack self-care and just unwind and give yourself a break? What, what do you do, Jesse? Well, two things. One, uh, actually three. One, go to church. I love that's you know, not a break, but go ahead. <laughs> no, it, it really is. Like when I walk in, I don't care what I, I do. I, I promise you, I feel better. That's number one. Um, two, spending time with my family uh, and in no, no specific order. And then three, I love to get outside. Right. So mm -hmm. you may see me on uh, social media, either running or riding my bike or walking or doing something physical um, outside. Those are my things. Dr. Harris. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I, I actually had COVID um, in March of 2020, and it, and it really uh, shook I me up. I thank God I didn't have to be. Yeah, I didn't have to be hospitalized. Thank God. But um, but I began to um, appreciate being outdoors, mm. and you know, smelling things and being able to breathe, you know, easily in fresh air. Really did have a, a profound impact. Once again, another COVID gift that I, I, I uh, had um, separated myself from, from nature. And so now uh, I'm fortunate to live, you know, in Windsor, I go to the Northwest Park, I'll go for a walk. I wake up in the morning, I'll walk my dog and, and put my headphones on and listen to some good soul music and things like that. And so, so definitely outdoors. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Peloton um, fanatic. Uh, shout out to Tundi and, and Alex. Those are, those are my uh, sensations. We gotta follow each two other. Days, two, two wait, days. wait a minute, wait a minute. Did y'all know that? T-Pain, but wait, you know that T-Pain was auditioning to be a Peloton instructor? Oh, no. <laughs> Man, I know, no, no, uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll pass on that. Right, right. <laughs> but, but I, I love that. I, and I, and I feel, I think oftentimes uh, uh, administrators and I know uh, black administrators, oftentimes we, we uh, um, sacrifice our, our, our bodies for, you know, for our organizations and, mm. And then we're 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 not taking care of ourselves, and, and that manifests itself in negative ways in the organization. So mm -hmm. so I feel it when I don't work out. So I get my workout in nature, and I, and I'm married 21 years to the love of my life, Garcia Harris. Shout out, get some points for that one. Um, but um, but yeah, we we we're spending our time, and and we have beautiful children and things like that. So definitely separating, you know, work from from home. That's yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. All right, so. Four questions, all right? And I'm just going to ping pong back and forth. Please don't think. Dr. Harris, what's your favorite color? Blue. All right, moving on. You move, you're taking too long. <laughs> what's your favorite color? Old gold. Old gold. All right, Jesse, favorite color? Old gold. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Jesse, what's your favorite food? Lasagna. Dr. Harris, where would you like to go in terms of on your bucket list? Just one. Egypt. Jesse, if you had $1 million today at this moment, what would be the first thing you, you would do with it? Pay off everything. Dr. Harris, same question for you. Uh, pay off the house. Oh, so, all right. 
Five. Such adult, <laughs> adult responses. Um, all right. So, so I said four. So this is five. What for both of you? If you had a a chance to tell your your eleven year old self something, what would it be? What would it be? In no particular order. I tell uh, him that things are gonna work out just fine uh, and to uh, appreciate his, uh, his parents hmm. and their love uh, and the, the, the love that you have in the Harris family, even though you may not always understand it, but, but you're blessed as a result of it hmm. and to trust them, trust them. Yeah. Jesse? I would tell him, uh, don't be afraid to be great Pay attention to what's going on. Don't allow life just to come at you, but like truly intentionally live your life the way that you really want to live it. Good advice. Hmm. That's some good stuff. So again, I, I, I can't thank you gentlemen enough. Um, Hold on, pause, time out. You know, we out there, so I'm taking over. Same question to you, Brandon. <laughs> all right, you, all right. Who would yeah. you tell your 11 year old self? You know, I would tell my 11 year old self that um, your father loves you. Mm. And um, I would also tell him that it is okay to be a child and just have fun, relax. Yeah. It's okay. That's what I would tell Good advice. 11 year old Brandon McGee Jr. Um, so in saying that, you know, I, I wish we had more time, but they only give me an hour on the show. Um, but I, I know that the folks who tune in weekly and listen to the show, I know that they enjoyed the two of you. So I'm sure I I would have to bring, bring you gentlemen back. Um, in closing, can you just tell everybody how they can get in touch with you again, the school's website, if you have it, I want y'all to promote it. Um, I always tell my listeners, my guests don't come on and work for free. So if they want you to come speak, they got to donate to the foundation or they got to purchase yeah. your product, you name it. Uh, so I'll start with you, Dr. Harris, if you want to give your handles. Uh, and yeah, well, uh, uh, www.capitalcc.edu, that's Capital Community College. And uh, we just launched our Morehouse program. So we're the only school in New England. That has a guaranteed transfer uh, agreement with uh, Morehouse. So, so there are black male scholars and we wow. have 13 in the fall cohort that uh, two years from now, uh, I'll be um, making sure that they're getting them down to Morehouse. And so we're excited about that. Also, the other thing is community colleges in Connecticut are now free. So we're one of the states that has free community college tuition. And so, so that's had a profound uh, impact. And, and uh, one of the other other handles is uh, Destination Capital because we are a destination institution for folks from the greater Hartford Hartford region. And so, uh, uh, but yeah, just glad to be here. And I want to thank you, Brandon. So once again, I, I'm aware of um, all the negativity that goes on and, and I, I'd be uh, uh, willing to come on anytime, you know, to talk about some of the, the good work that's going on uh, and soldiers like us uh, that, are, that are out here doing the good work for the uplift of our people so so shout out to you for uh, thank you this yeah thank you jesse um again i just want to say thank you for having me on this on this program i would love to come back of course i love speaking with dr harris um and i got to thank you personally because even in my my journey to become principal we had a conversation one day and he just gave you know that sage uh advice yeah. Um, that calming advice, right? I think sometimes, you know, it's good to just hear an even person. Um, and so um, I can be sort of emotional at times. Jesse, like, it's okay. <laughs> you're gonna be, yeah. you're gonna be all right. Up, young happens, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. But if you want to find me, of course, um, our, our school, our district uh, website is bloomfieldschools.org. Um, go up in the top left-hand corner and you can select Bloomfield High School and learn all about us. Uh, personally, if you want to go to uh, Kingdom Culture LLC on Instagram, you can also go to the official Bloomfield High School on Instagram, or you can go to at Bloomfield underscore the on Twitter. And 
we're about to blow this thing up. So it's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Well, yeah. as always, as always, um, thank you all for joining me uh, and my guest uh, here inside the room. Um, and as I always share with you every single week, my challenge to you uh, is to do something for yourself. That is as simple as, I don't know, writing something down on your checklist, your to-do list and accomplishing that very thing. Uh, go get a massage. Go just breathe in and out. Go walk near the water. Go do something for yourself. But most importantly, be sure to give back to your community and those who uh, look up to you. Uh, so that said, as my good friend would always say, y'all keep hope alive. Uh, and until next week, I love you. Peace. Take care.